Let's pray together as we as we go to God's word. God in heaven, we pray that you would continue to minister to us now uh, by your spirit as we come together to listen to your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Pastor Anthony a couple weeks told you about the deal that we had uh, to uh, preach a couple bad sermons uh, the last couple weeks. Um, I've listened to Anthony's sermons, and he did not keep up his end of the bargain, that is for sure. Uh, some wonderful sermons on the book of Judges and on Samson. I hope that you uh, enjoyed his preaching the last couple weeks. Uh, for the rest of this summer and into the fall, we're going to be uh, taking a look at two letters from the New Testament. Uh, for the next three weeks, uh, before Baby Cochran number three is due to come, uh, we're going to look at the short letter of Jude, and then after Baby number three comes, Lord willing, we will be taking a look at the book of James. This morning we're going to begin with an introduction to the book of Jude. Now I suspect that most of you are pretty unfamiliar with this short little letter called Jude. If I was a betting man, uh, I would place good money on the fact that I could go around and more of you could quote a verse from the Beatles song, Hey Jude, than you could quote a verse from the letter of Jude. Jude is pretty unfamiliar to most of us. It is perhaps most well known for the great closing of the letter, uh, which is often used as a benediction for a, a worship service. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages and forever. Amen. It's a wonderful closing to a letter, and it's probably the, the verse that we're most familiar with from this letter. Other than these two verses, there really aren't very many parts of the letter that find their way into our Sunday school memory verse program. Uh, it's a bit of an unfamiliar letter. But it's a great little letter that packs a real punch in the gut uh, to those of us who are living in 21st century uh, Canada. The themes in this letter have some important things to say to us, uh, those of us who live in our modern world, in particular about what it means to submit ourselves to God. For those who have ears to hear, Jude's letter really shines a light on our rebellious hearts. We've been called to desire God before all things, to submit to his rule and to his authority in our life. And Jude warns us of the danger of desiring other things before God and the consequences of giving allegiance to something other than Christ and Christ alone. In short, Jude teaches us about what it means to be a servant of Jesus Christ. And this is how Jude begins his letter. Jude chapter 1, verse 1, Jude introduces himself in this way. Jude a servant of Jesus Christ. As Jude writes this letter, he wants to be sure at the very beginning that his readers know that he is a man who comes under the authority of Christ. We're going to see that much of this letter is about the importance of submission to authority, 
At the very beginning of this letter, Jude tells us, his readers, that he is a man under authority. I am Jude. I am a servant of Jesus Christ. What do you think of when you think of the word authority? When you think of the idea of submission, what comes to mind? There are many different kinds of authority in our world, isn't there? There's the authority especially of those who are in a privileged position, a position of power. Sometimes people hold authority over others simply because of the position that they are in, the title that they have within an organization, the responsibility that they have within an organization. People listen to them. They have authority over people. uh, People must obey them because of their position, because of their title. But there is a different kind of authority. There are some people who have authority, who hold authority in their life, not from their title or from the degrees that hang, the degrees that hang on their wall. They have authority because they are people who have fully submitted themselves to Jesus. There are some people who we know who simply have this kind of spiritual authority. We watch the way that they live. We listen to the way that they pray. We see their commitment to Christ over a long period of time, and we know that is the kind of person that we need to listen to. There's a few of you in this room who are those kind of people for me. Another person in my life is my friend Andrew, my, one of my dearest friends. I do nothing, I make no big decision in my life without speaking to Andrew. He is a man who holds spiritual authority in my life. Maybe you have someone like this, a person that you just know you need to be close to, that you need to listen to, that you want to have influence over you, not because of some title that they have, not because of some position that they have, but simply because who of who they are in Christ. It's very obvious that they are a follower of Christ, and you would like to be like them. Jude is a man who writes his letter with authority. But his authority does not come from his title or his position. Jude was not one of the apostles. Jude did not automatically have authority within the early church. Instead, he writes with authority because of his full submission to Jesus. Jude wants his title to simply be Servant of Jesus Christ. This title, Servant of Jesus Christ, is is actually all the more interesting because of who Jude was. Jude himself was one of Jesus' brothers. Jude tells us that he is the brother of James. And we know through uh, the, the way that these letters are written and the way they're put together that James was the brother of Jesus that we meet in, uh, in the Gospels and in the book of Acts, and that Jude says, I am a brother of James, which means that Jude is a brother of Jesus, one of the siblings that grew up in the house of Mary and Joseph with Jesus. Isn't it interesting then that Jude wouldn't begin his letter in that way? I am Jude, a brother of Jesus. You should listen to me. No, 
I am Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ. And that's how both Jude and James, both of these brothers of Jesus, that's how they both introduce their letters. We are Jude. We are James, a servant of Jesus Christ. Neither one of them was willing to appeal to their status as brothers of Jesus. Instead, they want their readers to listen to them because they have submitted to Jesus. They have become his servants. They are living their lives under the authority of Jesus Christ. And that is where they receive their authority to speak as leaders. That is why we should listen to them. They are servants of Jesus Christ. Neither of them appeal to their family relationship with Jesus. The reason the church should listen to them is because they are servants of Christ. They are fully devoted followers of Jesus. As we would say here at Ebenezer, they are passionate, lifelong followers of Jesus Christ. But we know from the gospel stories that Jude and James weren't always passionate followers of their brother Jesus. Jude and James and the other relatives of Jesus did not believe in him at first. There are several incidents in the gospel stories where we see the family, see the family of Jesus resisting him and his ministry. In our scripture reading from Mark today, we even see that they try to stop him from doing his ministry. But over time, Jude and James become servants of Jesus Christ. We do not know the life circumstances of Jude and James. We do not know when Jude and James came to realize that Jesus, this one that they grew up with, was the Messiah and the Savior of the world. We do not know when or how it happened. But at some point, Jude and James were converted. They became believers. Jude and James became servants of Jesus Christ. So there are two things that I want to do this morning uh, as we look, as we begin uh, this series on Jude and James. Uh, First, I want to dive in, as much as we are able to do, into the story of Jude and James and to consider the conversion that they went through in their own life, to consider how it was that they became servants of Jesus Christ. And then I want to give us a short introduction to the book of Jude and show how this little letter speaks to us about a similar conversion that we need to have in our own lives. It should be our desire, like Jude and James, to be defined by our relationship to Jesus. As your pastor, I want you to listen to my sermon, to follow me as your leader, not because I have the title of pastor, but because you see that I love Jesus, that I walk with him, that I am submitted to him in my life. And it should be your desire to also have influence, to be a person of influence in other people's lives, not because of a title or position or a degree on your wall, but because you are a person who has been with Jesus. So let's begin by looking at Jude and James and uh, their life and what kind of conversion they must have went through in order to become first a person who did not believe in Jesus and who rejected him and tried to stop him to becoming a servant of Jesus Christ. So let's turn to Mark chapter 3. In this passage, uh, part of this passage that Katie read for us a little bit ago, we read about the early response of Jesus' family to his ministry. 
And the response wasn't good. The response wasn't good. Verse 20 and 21 says, Jesus entered a house and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. And when his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. Jude and James and the other members of his family thought that their brother Jesus had gone crazy. Literally, Mark tells us that they thought Jesus was out of his mind. They thought that he had gone crazy, and Mark tells us that they went to find him in order to take charge over him. They were very concerned about what Jesus was doing. They were hearing the words that he was saying and the actions that he was taking, and they thought, these actions are going to get him killed if he doesn't stop. We are going to go and stop him. He is out of his mind. Jude and James did not believe that their brother Jesus was who he says he was. In the way that Mark introduces uh, the family of Jesus in this story is, uh, is really quite brilliant. Um, throughout Mark's gospel, Mark uses a storytelling technique uh, that has come to be known as a Mark sandwich. Has anyone ever heard of a Mark sandwich? Um, I don't imagine you came to church today thinking you're going to hear that phrase, uh, Mark sandwich. But he uses this, uh, this technique, this literary technique, uh, in order to communicate a message. What Mark does throughout his gospel is that he will start in on a story and then briefly interrupt it with another story. So you've got kind of the first story, which is the top part of the sandwich. And then he interrupts it and brings in another story that seems to be unrelated to that first one. And then he comes back at the end with the conclusion to that first story. So an example of this is in Mark chapter 11 with Jesus' story um, of cursing the fig tree. Jesus is walking along, uh, and Mark says that Jesus was hungry, and he sees a fig tree off in the distance, and he goes over to the fig tree, and the fig tree has no fruit on it. And Jesus curses the fig tree and says, May no one ever eat fruit off of you ever again. And then the story ends. It's a very odd way to end a story. So that's the first part of the sandwich. That's the top layer of bread. And then Jesus tells this long story about Jesus going to the temple and cleansing the temple. And then he returns to the story of the fig tree. After leaving the temple, Jesus and the disciples go and they come to the fig tree and Peter sees the fig tree and it is withered and dead. What Mark is doing in these Mark sandwiches, the way he tells these stories, is he uses these two stories in this way in order to illustrate and support one another. So the message of this story about the fig tree is that the temple in Jerusalem no longer bears any fruit. It is dead like that fig tree. Jesus said to that fig tree, may you never bear fruit again. He goes into the temple. He cleanses the temple because it's no longer bearing any fruit at all. So Mark uses this this literary technique throughout his gospel of telling these two stories in this way in order to illustrate and enhance the message that he's trying to communicate. And he does that here in Mark chapter 3. In Mark chapter 3, Mark introduces us to Jesus' family. In Mark chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, we read Mark telling us that Jesus' family is concerned about him. They think he's going crazy, and they go to take charge over him, to take control over him. This is the top part of the sandwich. 
And then Jesus gives this long teaching about how a house divided against itself cannot stand. And then, Mark chapter uh, 3, verse 31, Mark picks up that story about the family again. And the family arrives at the scene where Jesus is teaching, and we have the conclusion of that story. When Jesus hears that his family is there, Jesus does this incredible thing by refusing to go out to see them. But instead, he shifts people's attention to the importance of submitting to God. This story becomes the bottom piece of bread. It's a Mark sandwich. And what is the message here? What is the message of Mark chapter 3, verses 20 through 34, with these two uh, stories that play off of one another? What it means is that to be a part of the family of God uh, is to submit and obey God. Jesus says that he will not be a part of a divided house. He is a part of an undivided house. He is a part of a house that is made up of all of those who call God Father and who do the will of God. All of those who submit to God and who make God their final authority. Jesus will not allow his primary identity to be with those who are against him, which in this case is his uh, blood family. A house divided against itself, he says earlier, will fall. Jesus is on a mission to obey the will of his heavenly Father. And he identifies himself with other people who are also willing to submit to God. His focus, his undivided attention needs to be on the will of his heavenly Father. And he is going to identify himself with others who are going to do the same. He's not going to identify himself at this time with his family who are against him. A house divided against itself will fall. Jesus' undivided attention is with God and with those who are willing to submit to God. Jude and James, at least at this point in their lives, are not yet ready to become a part of this family. Their eyes have not yet been opened to who Jesus is and what Jesus is all about. Jude and James had to be converted from people who wanted to take control of Jesus to people who wanted to have Jesus in control of them. They had to be converted to people who wanted to take charge of Jesus, to people who were servants of Jesus. Jude and James had to go through a conversion, had to be born again into the family of God by the Holy Spirit, had to be born again into the family that does the will of God. As we study Jude and James then over the coming months, we're going to see very clearly that these two men did make this conversion. Jude and James are passionate, lifelong followers of Jesus Christ. And in their letters, they give very concrete instructions about the importance of being a servant of Jesus, of submitting to the will of Jesus. Jude and James are men who were converted, men who became servants of Christ. And in their letters, they call us to make the same conversion, to also become servants of Jesus Christ. We are called in the letters of Jude and James to live a new way of life under the authority of Christ. Now, like Jude and James, 
sometimes we read the teachings of Jesus and we may think Jesus is out of his mind. He is crazy. Who ever wants to be my disciple must take up his cross and follow me. Seek first the kingdom of God. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the persecuted. Blessed are the hungry. Blessed are those who weep. Jesus, are you out of your mind? We read what Jesus teaches And we realize that if we're going to follow him, then we're going to have to go through a conversion. By the Holy Spirit, we must be born again into a new family that lives according to a different set of principles than the world around us. We must be born again into the family of God that lives according to the values of the kingdom of God. Into the family, the people that is made up of people who do and obey the will of God. And so in Jude's letter, Jude teaches us about the way that we are to be converted. Jude's letter is a letter of warning to his readers about living according to the way and the principles of the world and invites us to live according to a different way. I want to suggest that there's at least two ways that Jude calls us to conversion. And over the next two weeks, we're going to be looking at these two different ways that we need to be converted to Christ. The first thing that Jude talks about is the way that our desires need to be converted so that our desires, so that our heart desires God. Our heart doesn't naturally desire God, uh, but we need to be converted so that our hearts do desire God. And the second thing that Jude speaks about is how our allegiances, our commitments, how they need to be converted away from whatever we uh, owe allegiance to or, or, or seek to follow, need to be converted from that to allegiance and commitment to Jesus. I want to look at Jude uh, verse 4. And we, we read him talking about the false teachers that were coming in and, and teaching about a different way that was uh, counter to the way of Christ. And Jude speaks about these two different ways. Uh, that we need to be converted, the the conversion of our desires and the conversion of our allegiances. Jude, verse 4. Jude writes, Certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who change the grace of our God into a license for immortality. That's the desire part and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. That's the commitment and allegiance part. And throughout the letter of Jude, uh, Jude is calling us for our desires and our commitments to be converted. In Jude's letter, he challenges the church in these two different ways. Uh, First, he says here that people were teaching that the grace of God was a license for uh, immorality. This was a very uh, common teaching in the life of the early church. Uh, Many people in the early church knew that the gospel was a message of grace. And so people thought, if this is a message of grace, why don't we sin more and more so that we can receive more of God's grace? 
And Peter and Paul both address this teaching in their letters. It seems perhaps odd to us, but it seems to have been very prevalent in the early church. Paul, most famously in the book of Romans, says, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may abound? And Paul's response is a resounding no. Because of grace, we are, uh, because of, uh, of Christ's sacrifice, we do receive God's grace. We are forgiven for our sin, but we are also set free from our sin, is what the writer of the letters say to us. Sin kills and enslaves us. God's grace does extend forgiveness for the times that we sin, but it also sets us free from this sin that enslaves us. And so Jude's letter responds to this teaching, and next week we'll explore Jude's response about how our desires need to be converted. As people, we have evil desires, desires of the flesh, and our desires need to be transformed so that we desire what is good and right. The second thing that Jude addresses in this letter is the importance of submission to Jesus and submission to his authority in our life. We don't really know what the teachers were saying, but they were coming in and they were saying that uh, Jesus was not the only sovereign and the only Lord. There are other authorities that we can follow, other people that we can follow. As Christians, our lives, I think, are too often lived as if we were a divided household. And Jesus says that a divided household will fall. Too often we try to have two masters. We say that Jesus Christ is Lord of our life. We seek to follow him, but there's all these other things that we want as well. And so we submit to other authorities so that we can get what we want. Jude, Jude's letter reminds us, and we'll look at this two weeks from now, that we need to be converted from these false allegiances, these false allegiances that promise things to us and we seek to grab them and to follow them, but they always leave us dissatisfied. Jude will speak about that and about authority. Uh, we'll talk about that in a couple weeks. The book of Jude is a really challenging little book. It's a book that in many ways is very difficult to understand and comes with a real challenge to us about our commitments and our loyalties and about the call to conversion. But at the end of the letter, in addition to this challenge, the book of Jude also comes with some incredible words of encouragement and the hope that we have in Christ. The promise that Jude gives us is that as we remain in Christ, that God's mercy is sufficient to bring us to eternal life. God's grace is sufficient to keep us from falling and is able to sustain us and to bring us today and forever into the presence of God. So I would encourage you to read through the book of Jude over the next few weeks and ask what it says to you about areas of your life that still need to be transformed, areas of your life that have not yet been fully converted to the way of Jesus. And also to hear, how this book of Jude is a book that reminds you of the hope that you have in Christ. As you have committed to him in faith, he will keep you safe. His grace will keep you from falling away from the faith, and he's able to bring us 
through to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, we thank you for uh, the example of James and Jude and the way that their life uh, was transformed, uh, that they were people who wanted to seek to control you, but were converted to being controlled by you. Lord, I pray that in our own hearts, in our own lives, in the coming weeks, that we would go through this same conversion with the help of your Holy Spirit. Amen.